Welcome to Transformation Church RVA. This sermon is a part of our series called Acts to the Ends of the Earth. Over the course of 10 weeks, we'll see how God worked through the apostles and the early church to spread the good news of Jesus coming to save both Jews and Gentiles. Acts shows us how as Christians, we need to be consumed with the love of Christ and seek to transform our community and the entire world by the gospel. Good morning, my name is Emma Pooler and I was asked to read the scripture for us today. Uh, we're reading from for the Acts chapter 20, verses 22 through 35. So once you get your, um, your Bibles and everything ready, say praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, okay. And now I am on my way to Jerusalem, compelled by the Spirit, not knowing what I will encounter there, except in every town the Holy Spirit warns me that chains and affliction are waiting for me. But I consider my life of no value to myself. My purpose is to finish my course and the ministry I receive from the Lord Jesus, to testify to the gospel of God's grace. And now I know that none of you among whom I went about preaching the kingdom will ever see me again. Therefore, I declare to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all of you, because I did not avoid declaring to you the whole plan of God. Be on guard for yourselves and for all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has appointed you as overseers to the shepherd, the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. I know that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. Men will rise up even from your own number and distort the truth to lure the disciples into following them. Therefore, be on alert, remembering that night and day for three years I never stopped warning each one of you with tears. And now I commit you to God and to the word of grace, which is able to build you up and to give you inheritance among all who are sanctified. Praise God in his word. Amen. Thank you, Ms. Emma. Uh, can you say... Uh, drinking out of a fire hose. That, that's what this morning's going to be like. And so I'm going to buckle in, okay? Let's go. I hope you're ready. We ended last week um, in 17. They ended in Thessalonica. Do we still have that map back there? I don't know if we still have that map or not. But it's his, yeah, that's it. Uh, my boy, uh, Trey, I, I tried last week. With, to use a laser pointer, and y'all couldn't see it anyway, so I'm not going to do it again, uh, but I think my friend Trey got me a, a new laser pointer that we're going to have some fun with in the coming weeks. Um, so if you look top left, top, top left corner, there's a little town up there called Thessalonica, um, and that's where we ended up last week. We were in Thessalonica. Um, and Paul traveled down to Athens, and that's where we are today. So uh, if you travel down from Thessalonica, we met the Bereans. We came on down Athens, right there in that green little area uh, is where we ended last week. And we'll take start today in 18. How many of you, <clears throat> how should I say this? How many of you enjoy fire? 
Oh, see, some of you are ashamed. It's okay. Hey, be proud about it. You're a little pyro. That's what you are. Go ahead and raise your hand. Okay. I'm shocked. I'm kind of, I absolutely, I, I will burn anything. And did you raise your hand? My wife raised her hand. I, I got some burn barrels from the local mechanic shop. They cut little triangles in them, create air. That thing will burn anything, burn anything. Um, and so initially I set a burn barrel out back of my house uh, so that, I, you know, we wouldn't fill up the trash can so quick. All the cardboard stuff we put in the, the burn barrel and then the girls have a good time. You know, we burn stuff up. Um, y'all don't do that with your kids? Okay. Live life on the edge. Um, well, that was for me to burn things because that's what I enjoy. You wonder how I release stress? I go home and I burn stuff. I'm just kidding, but not really. The other day, I had filled up that burn barrel. And it was going to be a fire like none other. You know, the kind where it's just leaping up out of the can. I got home and I smelled a little smoke. I looked out back and my wife (laughs) has set fire inside of my burn barrel. I was like, what are you doing? That was my burn stuff. You burned it all. She's like, I kind of like it. I was like, all right. Can you wait for me next time? We can enjoy it together. And depending on what you put in there, uh, you can get fire of different colors. Uh, The blue ones are real hot. I'll tell you that. Um, But, and they can get tall, like if, depending on how you put it in there. You can get a really good fire. I want to have a bonfire here. I got some stuff out back. It's been drying. Can't wait. I hope you come. Uh, we're going to have a fire. And what we're going to talk about today is what fuels the wildfire that, begin, that, that is happening in Acts. Um, I'm sure you've seen in the news lately, there have been a couple wildfires, uh, one locally, and, uh, and that thing just spreads, right? Have you ever seen them? Those big forest fires, they spread and they spread and they're hard to contain. You know, helicopters full of water, they're digging trenches, you know, and it will kill people, devastates communities and forests. Um, the impact is wild. What, what, a, what a fire can do and what we see in Acts, especially now, is this thing is supercharged. And what I want to ask today is what causes, what is at the core of this wildfire? What is at the core of the gospel just spreading all over? So I'm going to move very quickly, 18 through 23. No wagers on whether that happens or not. But we're going to try and get 18 through 23. And this is how it's going to flow. I'm going to tell you a story of 18 through 23, okay? I'm going to lay the timeline out. There's some crazy stuff that happens, so don't go to sleep. And then at the end, I'm going to wrap up with this wildfire thought. A lot of violence here in the next few chapters. So 
Um, chapter 18. We start out in chapter 18, and they go from Athens, over here in the top left, over to, it's a little town called Corinth. Corinth is where Paul lands. And uh, actually, Timothy and um, uh, Timothy and where is he at? They caught up with Silas. Timothy and Silas catch up to Paul in Corinth, and they start this church there. So in 18, 1 through 17, that's what we see. The church is born in Corinth. Um, and in fact, if you, if you take your Bible and you flip a few pages, you're going to see 1st and 2nd Corinthians. That is, those are letters that Paul wrote to this church that he is birthing right here in, in Acts 18. Um, he meets this couple, Priscilla and Aquila. They're, they're like Sandra and Woody. They're like Bill and Val, okay? They're, they're, they're like many of the couples we have in this room, okay? They're just the bomb. Why are you laughing? That's true. Very strong couple in the Lord, okay? And so they partner up with Paul and they launch this church. The, there's some, uh, some stuff going on here. Uh, look at verse four. He reasoned, so he stayed there with Priscilla and Aquila. Interesting fact, you ready? Paul was not a full-time evangelist. Paul was not a full-time pastor. He was bivocational. Did you know this? So to make money to go from place to place, he had a skill. He had a skill. You know what that skill was? He made tents. You know who else made tents? Priscilla and Aquila. They were tent makers. So he linked up with them and he made a little money with them and then they did ministry together. And we see in verse four, he said, he reasoned in the synagogue every Sabbath and tried to persuade both Jews and Greeks. Here he is still reasoning dialoguing, having conversations with people, Jews and Greeks. Um, today, and I, this isn't in my notes, I think some of us think that you have to work at a church to do ministry. You do ministry where you're planted. I cut grass. Many of you know that. It's springtime. I got a lot of grass to cut. Um, but I get to talk to a lot of people. And they need the Lord. I minister where I'm planted. Um, the family you're planted in, the community you're planted in, the neighborhood you're planting in, whatever house you're living in, the job you're working, uh, the people you play with, and uh, all of those. You minister where you're planted. Um, so Priscilla and Aquila, Paul, bivocational, um, he's having conversations, Silas and Timothy catch up, and they spend about a year and a half. So this isn't like a trip to, the Myr to, to, to Myrtle Beach. Um, I almost said the Myrtle Beach. Like some of you say, the Walmart or the Target. You know who you are. Stop it. Um, I'm just kidding. Um, 
And then 18 through 23, uh, they travel locally, and then they head to two other places, Galatia and Frisia. Okay, so they, they continue traveling all through that Corinth region, and then they actually take a trip over to Ephesus, which is where we'll see next. Uh, they run into a guy named Apollos, shark guy. Um, he, what the Bible says is he was... He understood everything about the Messiah. He had been baptized or baptized by John or one of John's disciples, but he had not yet known the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. So he knew about repentance. He knew about the Messiah coming. So he had been, when we'll see this again, he had been baptized under John's baptism. And so Apollos is out there preaching on the streets. Have any of you run into a street preacher before? How many of you were the street preacher? Yeah. Some of them are really cool. Some of them are annoying. I'm not going to lie to you. Some of them just, just very poor posture around it. Very, very not cool. Um, And so what happens is Apollos is out here preaching. Priscilla and Aquila show up and they say, hey, let me introduce you to the Messiah. Here's the good news. And so because he had already get, gotten John's baptism, he got baptized. Priscilla and Aquila baptized him. The, the scripture says um, that Priscilla and Aquila kind of taught him and discipled him in the word and helped explain some things to him. If you think you can do the Christian life on your own, you are sadly mistaken. Christianity was meant to be done in community, lived in community, life on life. And this is a beautiful picture of what it looks like. Here's Apollos, a guy, um, all kinds of potential. And Priscilla and Aquila came alongside him and shepherded him. Really beautiful. Um, In chapter 19, we see Ephesus is born. So he goes, uh, you see Ephesus in this purple uh, area called Asia. It's not Asia like we would think Asia. It is Turkey and not like on a sandwich. There's a country called. Okay, just make sure. Okay, keep keep up. Um, Ephesus is where they land. They take a little boat, boat. There's Patmos, which you've heard that name too in the Bible. Don't have time to cover it. They land in Ephesus, and a church starts there in Ephesus in 19. Um, we see in 19, 1 through 7, repentance versus faith in Christ. Okay, this John's baptism. Um, while Apollos was in Corinth, Paul traveled through the interior regions of Ephesus, and he would ask people, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? This is important. No, they told him. We haven't even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. Into what then were you baptized? And they said, we were baptized into John's baptism. If you don't know who John is, let me back up. John was Jesus' cousin. John was the forerunner to Christ. He was the weird guy wearing stuff, eating weird things, screaming down by the river, repent. He had a message of repentance. And uh, he was making the way for Christ to come. And so when they say John's baptism, that's what they mean. This 
baptism of repentance. And Paul said to him, John baptized with a baptism of repentance, telling the people that they should believe in the one who would come after him. That is in Jesus. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. When Paul laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them. They began to speak in tongues and to prophesy. So this is what happened. They found the gospel in Jesus And then they were empowered witnesses. Do you remember this from chapter one? Now all of a sudden, some of you think that you need to get saved and you have to like jump through some hoops church-wise before you can be a witness, an empowered witness. That happens at conversion. The moment you choose Christ and Christ finds you, at the moment you're converted, the moment you're saved, You are an empowered witness at that moment. You are filled with the Spirit, ready to minister. That's you right now. Believers in the room, hear me. You're empowered to do it now. 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 Okay. So we're in Ephesus. We're hanging out. They're starting a church there. He covers all this. In 8 through 10, we see he covers all of Asia. He makes this trip. Ephesus is one of the seven churches of Asia. You see these seven churches again in Revelation. Y'all remember we went through Revelation a little bit ago? The seven churches in Revelation. Ephesus was the first one. Okay? Right up there. Those yellow dots for those who are blind. Um, Right there, Smyrna, Thyatira, Pergamum, Philadelphia, Sardis, Laodicea. Okay, so we're moving across the map. The next story is one of my favorites in all of Scripture. In all of Scripture, the seven sons of Sceva. Have you heard this story? Okay, let me just paraphrase. In 11, we see this story in 11 through 20 of chapter 19. He misses his daddy. Sorry, that's my son. Front row, making a bunch of noise. The seven sons of Sceva. So these guys, it says uh, some Jewish exorcists. I did not know they exist before I read this scripture some time ago, okay? There was was a thing back in this time called Jewish exorcists. I don't know what exorcisms they were doing, but this one went wrong. This one went terribly wrong. How many of you are into exorcism movies? Yeah. Well, some of y'all grew up in the holiness church. See, I, I know who you are. Yeah, we don't watch that stuff. Some of you watched it in your former life, right? Okay. These Jewish exorcists show up um, and uh, they attempted to cast a demon out of this fellow, Okay. Or lady, it doesn't really say. Um, They tried to pronounce the name of Jesus over those who had evil spirits, saying, I command you by the Jesus that Paul preaches. Isn't that weird? By the Jesus that Paul preaches. (laughs) Favorite part. Like, this is crazy. The, The spirits speak back to them. The seven sons of Sceva, Jewish high priest. Sceva was a Jewish high priest. Um, They were doing this. The evil spirit answered them. I know Jesus, and I've heard of Paul. 
But who are you? Oh, that's bad news. That is bad news if you're an exorcist, okay? I don't know if that's what you do for a living, but I'm telling you there's bad news when the Spirit's like, I know Jesus, and I've heard of Paul, but who are you? That's bad news. Then the man who had the evil spirit jumped on them, overpowered them all, prevailed against them so that they ran out of the house naked and wounded. Sometimes I wonder if you watch MMA or other fights, you ever wonder who wins, you know? I guarantee you, if you come into the ring clothed and okay, and you leave naked and beat up, you lost. (laughs) Wouldn't you agree? I forget who I heard say that. Um, But yeah, you've... These guys lost, and what it created in Ephesus was the name of Jesus was now a highly held name. The scripture says Jesus was held in high esteem, okay? And, uh, and many who had become believers came confessing and disclosing their practices. So look, this scared everybody in town who had bad stuff going on. They're like, okay, we need to get around to the real deal over here. And the Bible says in verse 20, in this way, the word of the Lord spread and prevailed. A wildfire. A wildfire. It is spreading. Look how much land that he's covered. It's spreading. It's spreading. We're going to find out in a minute what is at the core of that fire. What's making it burn. Um, in 21 through 41, in Ephesus, um, Ephesus had kind of this center god called Artemis. And um, in 21 through 41, what we see happen is, okay, so imagine all this is happening in Richmond, okay? I don't know what Artemis would be in Richmond, and I'm not even going to try and attempt for fear I'm going to offend somebody in here. So what I will say is, imagine in Richmond if you heard all this was going on. Seven dudes just got beat up, ran out of a house naked. It would probably make CBS 6, I guarantee it. And you're like, man, the spirit of the Lord is at work. I need to get in on this. Well, some of the guys in Ephesus, they made their money. They made their money making um, things for Artemis. Artemis was another god. Artemis was who they worshipped in Ephesus. And these guys made their money making Artemis collectibles or worship items. And these guys got ticked off because here people are flying away from Artemis and flying to, to Christ. And they start losing money. You want to make somebody upset? Start fooling around with their money. Some of you are like that. <laughs> and that's okay. It's, it's not bad. But, what, but in this particular instance, these guys were making their money through... Well, I guess the only way they knew how. I, I don't know that I, I really fault them at, that, at, at the point that they obviously rejected Christ. Um, but they were losing money because of Paul and these guys. And so they start a riot in Ephesus. I don't know if you've ever been a part of a riot, but it is not something um, that is pretty. Okay? We're not talking protesting. I'm talking riot. 
I'm talking destroying things. I'm talking hurting people. They were rioting. And this points out something very, very important. And then we're rolling on. Because I am really, really got to move on. The presence of God will displace all other gods. The presence of the one true God will always displace other gods. What this means is that when God invades a life or when God invades a community, what happens is it begins to uproot other gods. And I'm all about it. But what happens is uh, people will get upset when you start uprooting gods in their life. This is why some Sundays you show up and you're like, amen, preacher. Boy, that was a good one today. And then the next week, you won't say anything to me because you got convicted because something was being uprooted in you. It happens to me every week. I just feel God removing the things that are not of him and replacing them with his presence and his power. God, the gospel, displaces other gods. That is a messy process. So as you come to the Lord and he starts uprooting things in your life, you're going to think, oh, this hurts. Yeah, it does. Some of you have gods to uproot in your life today. And a lot of them look like you. Okay? God's presence will uproot those things. And so at the end of this chapter, they basically say, hey, let's take it to court. They ended up dropping it. Okay, this riot got out of hand. Um, uh, the, the authorities at the time came in and were like, okay, y'all need to chill out. Take it to court or drop it. They dropped it. Okay. Um, in 20, we see the spread continue to Macedonia and Greece. We see uh, Philippi, Troas, Troas, Miletus. Um, and then 18 through 36, we actually see them um, uh, coming back. So uh, they traveled all through here, and then they're going to take a trip all through um, this, this across the Mediterranean Sea over to that little green strip over there. Um, Tyre, uh, Ptolemus, uh, Caesarea, that's all over there after they take this boat trip. Um, and then some warnings come out. <laughs> Have you ever been in... Um, uh, like in a tra- have you ever been traveling when warnings hit like weather warnings or even other types of warnings yeah it's a little unsettling when you're on a trip um, now I'm sure these guys are used to it by now but if you're on an airplane and you start hearing about turbulent weather yeah, I've watched too many movies to see that go well. You know what I'm saying? Um, the Lord actually speaks through, uh, in 21, uh, speaks through some folks and tells Paul some things ahead are not going to be good. And Paul, in 21, verse 13, he says, What are you doing weeping and breaking my heart? For I am ready not only to be bound, but also to die in Jerusalem for the name of the Lord. Because they basically said, hey, listen, what's awaiting you is chains. What awaiting, what's awaiting you is death and imprisonment. Warning sign, warning sign, warning sign. And Paul's response is, why are you crying about it? 
Why are you making me upset? Because he cares for these people. He says, I'm not only ready to be bound. Clink, clink. We were going to make some t-shirts. Clink, clink for the gospel. But we didn't know how that would work out. So they didn't want it to end up on the news or anything. So um, we're not going to do that. We're not doing that. Maybe. I don't know. It seems cool. Um, I'm not only ready to be bound, but I'm ready to die. Who says that? Who says that? Many of us in this room would say today, you, you would say here in North Chesterfield, here in this church, you'd be like, I'm ready to die. But you're not facing death. You haven't been beaten yet. This is a very real reality, a very um, kind of stark reality for people across the globe. So they get some warnings of danger. Uh, Look at uh, 13 and 14. Uh, We just read those. And then uh, since he would not be persuaded, so they tried to say, Paul, you shouldn't do this. Since he wouldn't be persuaded, he said, the Lord's will be done. The Lord's will be done. Who, how does that type of fire keep going? We're going to talk about it in a moment. Uh, He gets back to Jerusalem. So he's, He's come, he started in Antioch, he went all the way around, he came back up through, he lands in Jerusalem, and they're still having Gentile issues. And um, have, you, have you ever had that family? It seems like they always have the same issues going on. Maybe it's your family, I don't know. I, I could say it's mine. Uh, it's like Groundhog Day. Um, All these years have gone by, same issues. This was the church in Jerusalem at the time. They kept struggling with this Gentile thing. So Paul comes back, they try to settle it all out, and it starts a riot. I don't know if you remember, but Paul has been accused of something previously. Do you remember what it was? Paul was accused of saying um, that Moses didn't matter. It was more around the Peter time frame, but... um, The Jews that had become Christians were still following Mosaic rituals. And so they came back at Paul and said, this guy's preaching that we should ignore our father Moses. And so another riot breaks out in the temple. (laughs) And look, I've been to lots of churches over the years, and I have seen quite a few riots break out in church. Not the physical ones. Most church riots just end with yelling and fried chicken afterwards um, and pretending like we actually didn't fight like that. Um, I don't know if you've been to that church. I enjoyed the fried chicken. Could have passed on the riot. Um, Still love fried chicken. Um, But that's not my notes. Riot in the temple over Moses. Let's look at verse 31 here of chapter 21. As they were trying to kill him, word went up to the commander of the regiment of Jerusalem um, about all the chaos. Uh, Man, they were trying to end his life. They drug this dude out of the temple and were beating him to death. They were going to kill him right there. In fact, in just a few verses, you're going to see this man doesn't deserve to live. Paul was in danger. They didn't like it, and I'm just going to fast forward here because I I need to really drop the point. 
Because Paul was a Roman citizen, he got some rights. And so uh, the, the authorities at the time basically took him out behind the woodshed. They were going to pull a CIA deal on him. And like, we're going to beat him until he tells us what's going on. He's like, and Paul basically got behind the woodshed and was like, you're supposed to beat a Roman citizen this way? And of course, the authorities are like, oh, no. We've really fouled this one up. And so they actually protect him um, for a while uh, because of his citizenship. Uh, they tried holding court. It didn't go well. Uh, so they made a plot to kill him. They said, we're going to kill Paul. They've got him stored up in the jail, but they're going to have to transfer him the next day to the courtroom. I don't know if you've ever been to jail, but in between court dates, depending on what you did, you got to stay in the jail cell, and then they'll bring you out for the court date. Then they'll take you back to the jail cell. Well, in, in that transition, they were going to kill Paul. They set up 40 guys to kill him. Can you picture this? Well, word got out. Paul's sister's kid. I love a good tattletale. I do. He goes, he warns Paul, and the centurion says, this is crazy. And they snuck him out of town to Caesarea, which you see on the map over here. Um, they sneak him to Caesarea where they can have this process out of town legally. And that's where 23 stops us today. That's 18 through 23. We did skip one portion, and it's the portion where Paul is um, leaving Ephesus. And we were talking about wildfire, right? Talking about how fire, what, what fuels a fire? Right here. Look at Paul's farewell address to Ephesus. And now I'm on my way to Jerusalem, compelled by the Spirit, not knowing what I will encounter there. Number one, um, Paul is taking stock here, and he is saying this. He does not count his own life as dear to him as his Lord and serving his Lord. I don't know what's in front of me. I don't know how many of you have come in today, and you have said, I don't know what's coming. It did not stop Paul. What happens, Carl, if I, if I step into this circle and I start proclaiming the gospel? What if they don't like me? If that's the worst thing that's happened to you today, you're doing all right. And anything suffered for the sake of Christ is worth that suffering. And we'll continue. 23, except that in every town the Holy Spirit warns me about chains and afflictions. But I, look, underline this scripture as I get ready to close. 24 says, but I consider my life of no value to myself. My purpose is to finish my course and the ministry I receive from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of God's grace. This is fueling the fire. Not just for Paul, but for every believer who would declare, I've got a race to run. Notice he says here, my race. Each one of you have a race to run. You have a lane to run in. God wired you and placed you. He's ready for you to run. There's no retirement 
from running the race for Christ. Paul thought of himself as a runner. Nothing would keep him from finishing the race with joy. He had a race to run. We have our own to run. God calls us to finish it with joy. But what would fuel this fire? What would keep this thing burning inside? What kind of gospel is worth dying for? Or even maybe for our sense, what kind of gospel is worth living for? Many of you won't face death, but uh, you will face life on Monday morning. You will face life when you leave through these doors and head into the mission field. What kind of gospel fuels that? A gospel of moral reform? No, that's not worth dying for. The gospel of save yourself through good works? It's not worth dying for. Gospel of social action improvement? Not worth dying for. A gospel of religious tradition? Maybe, no, that's not worth dying for. A gospel of merely having spiritual conversations? It's not worth dying for. A gospel of, of, of a church seeking true hipness, coolness? That's not worth dying for. A gospel of self-esteem? That's not worth dying for. Maybe the gospel of political correctness. That's not worth dying for. The gospel of emergent church feel-goodism. It's not worth dying for. Let me read to you. Charles Spurgeon wrote this. Yet there used to be a gospel in the world which consisted of facts which Christians never questioned. There was once in the church a gospel which believers hugged to their hearts as if it were their soul's life. There used to be a gospel in the world which provoked enthusiasm and commanded sacrifice. Tens of thousands have met together to hear this gospel at peril of their lives. Men and women to the teeth of tyrants have proclaimed it and have suffered the loss of all things and gone to prison and to death for it. Singing psalms all the while. Is there not such a gospel remaining? The gospel we declare each and every Sunday should burn so hot within us that it spreads beyond us. We can't stop. We can't stop. That's what you see in Acts. And we're going to finish up Acts next week. Today, the response is going to be more introspective. I'm not going to ask you to come forward. I need you to ask yourself what you're living for.
right here in this belly. It starts right here in you. Believing that what God said is true. Spread throughout the book of Acts, the wildfire that ensued of the spread of the gospel. The core of it was in Paul's words that I don't know what's ahead, I don't know what's in front of me, but I know what he did right here. I know what he did in me. You would be shocked at how powerful just you sharing your story about God saving you would be. You don't need to have a seminary degree to do that. streaming this audio from Transformation Church RVA located in Richmond, Virginia. For more information, check out our website at www.transformationrva.com.